Okay, here are three freelance tips or even just online business tips that are really going to help you succeed. And it's the inspiration is drawn from my own purchasing experiences, my own experiences working with people online. And if you're ever wondering um, how to improve and how to make everything a little bit more easy in your business, how to level up, look at the way that you buy things and the way that you do business with people and always examine what you liked about the process and what you didn't like about the process because that's going to help you draw your own inspiration about how you want to do business with people online. So I'll give you a prime example because I wanted to hire a fitness coach. So if you are on my email list or you're following my content, you know that the whole like weight loss thing and trying to get in better shape is a continuous journey for me. So I'm very um, accustomed to the buying process within the fitness niche and spending thousands upon thousands of dollars, which is a purchase that does require persuasion and me reading sales pages and me investing in coaches and buying those services. So I always examine how I'm feeling throughout that process because I want to emulate what works and what doesn't as a service-based provider myself and as somebody who has an online business. And something that I realized that people do online, whether you were a freelance you're a full-time freelancer like me, service-based business, whether you are somebody who sells stuff online, is that they make people jump through hoops to do business with them and they have this friction or this wall up. They actually make it more complicated to do business with them. So you have to understand that people who want to buy from you online or do business with you just want to do it in the most easy, concise, streamlined, no effort way. But then when certain coaches or service providers require you to fill out applications or intake forms, or maybe do like a bait and switch where you think you're going to talk to the person you've been following online, and then all of a sudden you're dealing with an assistant, whether it be a virtual assistant or um, a coach on their team. These are all things that can turn people off to doing business with you. So I know from my experience that has been happening with me, happening to me where I want to give my money to somebody and enroll in a course, but they're making me fill out an intake form and talk to somebody who I don't even know. So try to be cognizant of your own processes. What does somebody need in order to get in touch with you and give you money online? Look at that process, deconstruct it and ask yourself, is this the easiest possible way for somebody to do business with me? Or am I making them basically jump through hoops and just assuming that they're going to do the work because they want to work with you so badly? Unfortunately, that's not the case. Um, I know from, so for example, I'm going through processes of hiring writers right now because I'm starting a blog and I had someone reach out to me who, uh, it was via email, they cold pitched me and they had samples um, that I really enjoyed and liked. So I understood that they could probably do the job, but I just said, okay, well, do you have a website I could look at? I just need something in order to see that you're a real person and that I can get some type of sense for who you are so that I feel comfortable getting to know you better, you know, getting on a call, giving you that work. But there's so many freelancers who they do not have a website. They're basically reaching out cold and saying, this is my portfolio. This is where you can find me. Um, I don't know who you are, so I need to see that you're a person and that usually takes place. That usually happens by you having a website or at least a landing page 
some type of social media profile to let me know that you're a real person. So um, most clients are not even going to say, do you have a website? They're just going to move on and ignore your pitch. So understand that you're doing everything humanly possible to make it easier for the other person on the other end of that screen to know about you, learn about you, just, you know, determine whether you're the right person just within a few clicks. That's what we want. Even when you're sending your portfolio to people, like you're sending your portfolio, your website, your links, whatever they need to know, that's great, but make it easier for them and don't make them sort through your portfolio. It's very hard for busy clients to look at every single thing you've written, especially if you have a lot in that portfolio. So you want to actually pull links and say, this is my full portfolio. If you're interested, but these are actually the samples that I think would be most relevant to you and what you do in your business. That will put you head and shoulders above other people who are reaching out to that person to try to get their business. Now, I also want to explain why having a niche is a totally unfair advantage that I want you to take advantage of because these are two really controversial topics for some reason within freelancing is do you need a website? And do you need a niche? So people are constantly going back and forth and saying, yes, you do, no, you don't. But I'll explain to you why um, in any circumstance where you're doing business online, a client is more likely to go with somebody who has expertise in one realm and that they can relate to because what it signals to the client is, oh, this person gets me. They just get it. They understand. You don't understand how that was repetitive. You, you need to understand why the ability for a client to say to you, you just get it is so key. And if you don't have verbiage like that across your website and your LinkedIn profile and your marketing, you need to put that somewhere on your site, not in those exact words, but just to say, hey, you need someone who can quickly grasp your product and your goals and your business model, right? That's me. That is what we're really looking for when we hire anybody is to know that that person gets it, that we're not going to have to do a ton of handholding and a ton of education. So being in a niche is a really unfair advantage. And I'll just give you a prime example back to that fitness example where I was going to hire uh, a coach and join a program. There was basically two people that I was down to who I wanted to enroll in their programs and give them my money. Um, but one of the coaches specifically dealt with women who were five, four and below, which, which is known as petite women. And actually um, from a fitness standpoint, we do have specific challenges. We have smaller organs. We have slower metabolisms because everything within our bodies is smaller. Um, we, you know, five pounds on somebody who is five foot one looks much different than on a girl who is five foot eight. We can't eat as much because of our really small stature. So this one fitness coach, both of them were in really good shape. One of them was super jacked. The other one was just a small girl like me who specialized in petite fitness for girls five, four and below. To me, her business model is absolutely genius. It's why I've been following her for the past couple of years because she puts out content that's so clearly tailored toward what I would be interested in as somebody with my stature. Um, and I ultimately went with the petite specialized coach and 
people are so afraid that choosing a niche is going to limit the amount of customers you can reach, but it really just allows you to create super tailored content, marketing, advertising, whatever. It allows you to really speak directly to somebody's pain point. So again, if you specialize in one type of writing or one industry, that is your unfair advantage. That will be the difference between you and a writer or a freelancer who looks just like you in terms of skill set and experience but if you have that specialty it really trumps everything else and I, I really I hope I was able to exemplify why that occurs because in this situation with these two trainers one girl was like super 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 jacked and the other girl was more um the other girl was not as like I guess built in that way but because I because I knew that she knew my struggle and understood the unique complications of being this height and trying to build muscle, I went with her. I knew she had that expertise. So that's another key thing. Now, here's the second thing I want you to look out for and be aware of is that copy critiques are pointless. So if you are joining a program or you're looking so hard on the internet for somebody who's going to critique your copy, I want you to kind of throw that out the window and I'll tell you why. When you are doing copywriting and content marketing, if you ask someone for advice, maybe you even ask an experienced writer, they will give you feedback on how your work sounds and your grammar. And at this stage of the game in 2023, there is software that can do that for you. So you really don't need anybody to really look at your grammar or critique your writing because you can have a free tool to do that. If you're at that stage where you're just trying to learn how to write, yes, go for it. Say, hey, how's my sentence flow? Is this clunky? Does this sound right? But if you're actually trying to understand whether or not you're writing good copy or content, that's going to be really hard to get that feedback from anybody unless they are the client. Here's why. Copy and content is tailored towards a very specific audience. It has messages that might not sound amazing. They might not sound super correct but they resonate with a certain audience. And unless that audience member or that reader takes an action, clicks a button, downloads, buys, does the free trial, you're not gonna know whether or not that copy was effective. So to put your work in a group, especially with a group of beginners, let's just say, who are also in your stage of the game, they're beginner copywriters and say, how is this? Well, they don't know. And I'll just give you a prime example. If you're enrolled in my course right now, you went on my sales page and you clicked buy, right? But let's just say I sent you all the text from my sales page and said, hey, can you tell me whether or not you like this and whether this is good? Well, I'd probably get a lot of comments, a lot of revisions, change this, change this, I liked this, I didn't like this. But what does that matter? This isn't like a beauty contest. This isn't a beauty pageant of how great my writing is. This isn't an essay contest. This is whether or not those words made you click the word buy. So a lot of the time as consumers, certain messages enter into our minds and they cause an emotional or a visceral reaction. They get us to do something and we don't know why. It happens on a deep psychological level. So who are you asking for critique? on your copy? Who are you asking for feedback? 
what works for one client and what one client deems good writing or effective writing is going to come down to a their personal preference but b the back end metrics of how it's converting that's why i'll never forget one time i was working for this software company and they did a redo of their website and people on linkedin are of course super cringe and always trying to um, just yell the loudest and say things that they think are insightful. And this one guy was like, you know, this is why this company's homepage absolutely sucks. And he went through like this whole like breakdown of why he thought the copy on their website sucked. And it's like, but do you know how it's converting with their customer base? Like you're just saying you don't like it and offering an opinion. So be really wary about like copy critiques and people maybe who are offering that as a service or maybe you think that you need that in order to become a copywriter. I'm sorry, it comes back to the same thing with learning copywriting in general. You're not gonna know unless you are working for the client and I'd rather have somebody pay me for that trial and error than just doing all of these copywriting exercises. I, I just don't think there's any point in copywriting exercises and copywriting critiques. So if you if that's something that's holding you back, just, just move along and try to get clients and start cold pitching. Um, and then the third thing is you, we need to start doing things that we don't feel ready to do. This really hit me because um, throughout your freelance career, you know, if you're starting from scratch the way I did and you have a client who gives you that chance, um, first of all, if you've never done it before, there's going to be a certain amount of just balls you need to have to say, yes, I'll take on that project, even though you don't know what you're doing. So a lot of freelancing is it, it just feels like absolute pretending and you will feel like an imposter and you will feel like you don't know what you're doing. But it doesn't matter. The people who wind up becoming successful in this career and getting good clients are the people who say yes before they are ready, before they feel experienced enough, before they are sure they can do it. Just say yes. I think that's the main thing I'm trying to convey is just say yes. Whether you feel that you are ready, whether you feel that you are prepared enough, just say yes. Because I guarantee you there is someone less experienced than you who is diving right in and saying yes to everything. And that's why they're getting those opportunities. Let me see what questions I got. How do you make your content undetectable by AI detectors? Um, I don't know how many companies are actually using AI detectors and if that's even a possibility. I will say this, um, I would never take copy that was written by AI and put that out there into the world without putting my own personal touch on it first. So no amount of AI generated content should just be put on the internet without you rewording it. That's why I think we are a little bit further from AI replacing us than we think because you are you really cannot at this point and you should not at this point be putting like large swaths of text on the internet from AI without first determining whether you put your own spin on it without editing it because a lot of the stuff sounds like super convoluted and very like wordy not concise when it's just put out by AI but if there's an actual AI detector out there you let me know because that's news to me um okay cool any other questions that you guys have third one is so churn relatable thank you <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm going to upload this on YouTube um, because I'm trying to do less produced 
videos that require me standing there and then talking and editing. It's nice to just go off the cuff. So thank you so much.